You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. The Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, June 16th, 2022. Coming up this hour. The post-Fed rally fades as U.S. futures slump. Recession fears return following the biggest interest rate increase since 1994. And it's the Bank of England's turn to increase interest rates. And Elon Musk is set to address Twitter employees for the first time. The gunman who killed black people in a racist attack in Buffalo faces federal hate crimes charges. Plus, hearings resume today on the January Sixth Capitol riot. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. Another win for the Yankees. A loss for the Mets. Colorado won the Stanley Cup final opener, and the U.S. Open golf begins today. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm John Tucker. Bloomberg Daybreak being brought to you by Informatica. In the cloud, your data has the power to be extraordinary. Manage data across any location of the cloud for accurate and actionable insights. More at Informatica.com. Futures are slumping this morning. We're coming up to 601 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are down 84 points. Dow futures down 546. NASDAQ futures are lower by 312 points. The 10-year Treasury is on the decline, down 1 in 830 seconds. The yield, 3.43%. Yield on the two-year, 3.37%. John. Well, Nathan, the reversal in futures comes after a rally yesterday following the latest decision from the Fed. Jay Powell engineering the biggest U.S. interest rate increase in 28 years to fight inflation. Markets responded with a rally that halted a five-day 10% route in the S&P 500. We at the Fed understand the hardship that high inflation is causing. We're strongly committed to bringing inflation back down, and we're moving expeditiously to do so. We have both the tools we need and the resolve that it will take to restore price stability on behalf of American families and businesses. Jay Powell and company raised rates by 75 basis points and lifted the target range for the federal funds rate to one and a half to one and three quarters percent. Former Richmond Fed President Jeffrey Lacker says more is needed. I think it's going to have to go to about five and a half or six percent. That's my own sense. And that's based on just the historical record. Uh, that indicates that real interest rates, inflation-adjusted short-term policy rates, have to get above zero uh, in order to have any chance of restraining inflation. 
Former Fed Bank of Richmond President Jeffrey Locker says the Fed should have raised rates last year. Well, this rate hike, John, now has many on Wall Street forecasting a recession for the U.S. economy. We caught up with Guggenheim Chief Investment Officer Scott Minard. There's a chance that we are already in a recession. And so if if we are in a recession or we're close to a recession and the Fed pushes on this more, and then we find that, that all of a sudden we have a decline in asset prices like stocks did in 87, then uh, if the Fed reverses course, they're going to look like they're weak on inflation. So th- this this is a very, very tough situation that we're maneuvering. Guggenheim Chief Investment Officer Scott Minard says cracks are forming in the credit world. He says the worst is probably not over. And after the Fed, now it's the Bank of England's decision. Investors and economists are betting the U.K. Central Bank would deliver a fifth straight hike later this morning, raising the base rate by 25 basis points to a 13-year high of 1.25%. The former Bank of England Governor Mark Garney says that he thinks policymakers are falling behind real-world events. I think what's clear is central bankers need to catch up to their economies. Uh, they've, you know, they've been behind the curves. They've acknowledged this, um, and they need to start to get interest rates uh, above uh, inflation, uh, effectively, or at least prospective inflation, inflation expectations. Mark Carney stepped down from the central bank in 2020. He is now vice chair of Brookfield Asset Management. We have another interest rate decision in Europe to tell you about, John. The Swiss National Bank unexpectedly raised its interest rates for the first time since 2007. Policymakers opted to join the global bandwagon of monetary tightening, lifting the policy rate by 50 basis points to negative 0.25%. And staying in Europe, natural gas prices jumping after Russia stepped up a new energy war, cutting supplies to Europe's top buyers. Let's get more from Bloomberg Energy reporter Stephen Sipsnaski. This is a big deal, and this is like the worst-case scenario that, that traders were expecting in Europe. <clears throat> Absolutely, it, it is. Um, you know, for, for weeks, for months, you know, when this war broke out, the fear was Russia was going to curb supply to customers. And they curbed to some customers. They, they curbed to uh, Poland, uh, to Bulgaria. They curbed to these countries, but they're not major buyers. Germany is a major buyer, and this pipeline, they've the Nord Stream 1, they've cut supply mm-hmm. by 60%. Well, the European benchmark rose as much as 12% today after surging by 44% in the previous two sessions. Back here in the U.S., John, the White House says President Biden is willing to use emergency measures to ramp up gasoline output. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. This is the same Cold War era law he invoked to increase production of baby formula and bolster solar manufacturing. Biden saying his administration is prepared to use all reasonable government tools to increase refinery capacity. Meanwhile, White House spokesman Karen Jean-Pierre says the oil companies need to step up. We are calling on them to do the right thing, to be patriots here, uh, and not to use the war uh, as an excuse. For higher costs leading to higher profits. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Ed. In corporate news, a big day for Twitter and Elon Musk. Let's get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Morning, Renita. Morning, John. Elon Musk is addressing Twitter employees for the first time today since agreeing to buy the company for $44 billion. At the virtual meeting, Musk will take questions directly from employees, many of who have not been happy with him lately. Meantime, Twitter CEO recently announced a series of cost-cutting measures. 
measures, including canceling the company-wide retreat that was scheduled to happen in January 2023, and a hiring freeze. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Renita. And a big name in the cosmetics aisle is filing for bankruptcy. Revlon is applying for Chapter 11 protection. The company owned by billionaire Ron Perlman has been unable to manage its heavy debt load. Revlon got its start selling nail polish in the throes of the Great Depression. Perlman's holding company took control in 1985 after a bitter takeover funded with junk debt raised by Michael Milken. Futures are falling this morning. Straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. Thanks, Nathan. 6.07 on Wall Street. Time to bring in Michael Barr to find out what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much, sir. The gunman who killed 10 black people in a racist attack at a Buffalo supermarket has been charged with federal hate crimes that could potentially carry a death penalty. The Department of Justice says 18-year-old Peyton Gendron told investigators his goal was to kill as many black people as possible. Attorney General Merrick Garland visited the top supermarket where the shooting happened. Hate-fueled acts of violence terrorize not only the individuals who are all attacked, but entire communities. Hate brings immediate devastation, and it inflicts lasting fear. Attorney General Garland placed flowers at a memorial and met with families. Lawyers for British socialite Ghislaine Maxwell say she should face no more than four to five years in prison at sentencing later this month for her role in financier Jeffrey Epstein's sex abuse of teenage girls. Epstein took his own life in August of 2019 while awaiting a sex trafficking trial in Manhattan. The role of former Vice President Mike Pence will be a major focus of today's congressional hearing on last year's Capitol riot. The January 6th committee will focus on the pressure put on Pence that day and includes efforts to keep Pence from certifying President Biden's election victory. The House January 6th Select Committee released video showing Republican Georgia Representative Barry Loudermilk leading constituents on a tour around the Capitol complex on January 5th. The committee claimed one of the participants in the tour marched to the Capitol the next day and made detailed threats against members of Congress, New York Democratic Congress member Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The fact that he was inviting and letting people in that he did not know when the Capitol was closed to the public, the fact that he was giving a tour at all is extremely Concerning. Representative Ocasio-Cortez spoke to ABC. Congressman Loudermilk has denied any wrongdoing. COVID vaccines for infants and toddlers from Moderna and Pfizer won support from a panel of U.S. regulatory advisors. The committee advising the FDA voted unanimously in favor of Pfizer's three-dose vaccine for youngsters ages six months through four years. It also gave a strong endorsement to Moderna's two-dose for children six months through five years. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Tank, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. It's now 610 on Wall Street, and it's time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. All right, John, it's not often you see a team be 30 games over 500 in mid-June, but the Yankees are 46-16 and 16 at Stadium. And Aaron Judge home run first inning is 25th. That's seven more than anyone else in the majors. 
Three-run shot for Kyle Higashioka, fifth inning. He hadn't homered all year until he hit two just this past Sunday. Now he's got a third. Yanks beat Tampa Bay 4-3. to Nestor Cortez the win, another save for Clay Holmes. At City Field, night to forget for the Mets, who lost in Milwaukee 10-2. And Atlanta won again. The Braves are 14-0 in June, and they're now four games behind the Mets. Second straight night, a near-no-hitter. The Dodgers' Tyler Anderson lost it when Shohei Otani hit a triple with one out in the ninth inning. Overtime to start the Stanley Cup final. Colorado blew a 3-1 lead, but got a goal from Andre Burakovsky. Minute 23 in OT for a 4-3 Game 1 victory over Tampa Bay. Tonight in Boston, it's Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Either Golden State wins the championship or it's back to San Francisco for a Game 7. And what a sports day in Boston because this morning they tee off to begin the U.S. Open Country Club of Brookline, of course, that First hosted the Open in 1913 with a victory by Brookline native Francis Weimit. Rory McIlroy looking forward to playing in historic court. That is what's so good about golf, is the history and the tradition and these stories. Um, you know, the fact that you know, he grew up just off the 17th hole here. Um, and we're still talking about it to this day over 100 years on. Like, that's so cool. That's the great thing about this sport. McElroy's got an early tea time. So does defending champ John Rahm. Updates throughout the tourney here on Bloomberg Radio. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, thanks, John. Ahead of the cash open on Wall Street. After yesterday's rally, futures this morning firmly in the red. Dow futures down 497 points. S&P E-mini futures 76 points lower. The Nasdaq futures down 277 points. This is Daybreak. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by Hofstra University's Frank G. Zarb School of Business, top-ranked online MBA program with a real-world foundation. Learn more at hofstra.edu slash go grad. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. The stock rally that followed the Fed's supersized rate hike yesterday has evaporated as recession fears take over this market. We check the numbers every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures now down 78 points. Dow futures down 511. NASDAQ futures are lower by 290 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 1 in 8.30 seconds. The yield 3.43%, up 15 basis points. Two-year yield, 3.35%. Dimex crude is down two-tenths percent at $115 a barrel. Comex gold up two-tenths percent at eighteen twenty-two seventy an ounce. The euro, 1.0406 against the dollar. The yen is at 133.15. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Nathan, thank you very much. The January 6th committee is plunging into Donald Trump's efforts to pressure Vice President Mike Pence to reject the 2020 electoral count. At today's hearing, testimony is expected from retired federal judge Michael Luddick, who called the plan incorrect at every turn. In baseball, the Red Hot Yankees won again. The Mets lost along with the Nationals, Orioles, and Giants. The Red Sox beat the A's. Game one in the NHL final. The Avalanche beat the Lightning in overtime. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. 619 on Wall Street. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Uh, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell seems to have acknowledged that reigning in inflation may result in a recession. Oh, let's get more now on yesterday's Fed meeting. Alan Sender, Morgan Stanley's chief U.S. economist, joins us this morning. 
A pleasure. Good to talk to you, Ellen. Um, how far into restrictive uh, territory is uh, the Fed willing to go at this point? Ellen Zentner, can you hear us? Uh, yes, I can. All right, sorry. Having, having a little trouble with the, the line there, uh, Ellen, but uh, let me just repeat the question for you. How far into uh, restrictive uh, territory is this Fed willing to go at this point? Yeah, so I think the, the message from Powell yesterday was not quite the we'll do whatever it takes uh, message that we were expecting, but to acknowledge uh, that recession could be an outcome is really realistic. I mean, you know, we've not had to deal with accelerating inflation in a very long time. Uh, be, before the great moderation, it was pretty standard that an acceleration in inflation led recessions because of the Fed response. And if that's what it takes to get inflation down, if the Fed's not able to slow the economy enough or overdoes it and can't course correct fast enough, well, then recession is, is the uh, uh, obvious uh, end game there. I don't think investors should be that scared of it, though. Okay, but the, the upper bound somewhere three and a quarter to three fifty, uh, that has moved. But is that enough at this point? Do you think? Yeah, you know, we'll see. I mean, the market was pricing an even higher peak rate in the Fed funds rate uh, before this meeting. Um, but some of that is that investors have had to put a greater weight on the possibility of recession, so the Fed can go as high as the Fed wants to go. But then it pushes the economy into recession and has to back out some of those uh, rate hikes. And I think that's what we're seeing in terms of uh, investors assuming the Fed may be able to only go as high as 3.5%. I think with the path of inflation that we envision, the Fed is going to have to go higher than that. Uh, and Chair Powell is very confident that he is the leader to be nimble enough to do that course correction. Similar to something that they did in 2018. They pivoted very quickly when they saw liquidity troubles and the global slowdown. Um, and they were able to uh, uh, stabilize economic conditions. Unfortunately, COVID hit, so you can't test how long those conditions might have been stable. But what we like to call, you know, um, uh, recession is really opportunistic disinflation. Because when the economy is in a downturn, it tends to take steam off of inflation. It has that gravitational pull. And so if the Fed can't do it alone from taking rates into restricted territory, they'll have to go even further. Um, and uh, a recession is, is a risk that they're willing to take. All right. Is this inflation simply demand-driven? Uh, it, how complicated is the fix, and does it really test uh, uh, Fed policy? Yeah, so I, I think, John, we're, we're past the point of, of worrying if it's demand or supply driven. I mean, I'm, I'm in the camp that it's both, uh, that you've got a, a, an even more acute uh, lack of, of uh, goods and availability of labor at a time when uh, we have a lot of pent-up demand in the, in the, in the country. Now it's uh, pent-up demand for services and travel and leisure and hospitality and enjoying ourselves. Um, it, but, but uh, you know, we have to get past that and just say, look, whatever the supply disruptions are, whatever is creating uh, higher inflation, the Fed needs to force demand lower in the economy to align with that, to align with tighter supply and bring demand down. So it just means that they have a bigger job to do uh, to do here. So what's going to happen on the employment front? Well, in the employment for it, jobs have to slow. I mean, not in the near term. I think all the indicators are that employers are still hiring. My concern is that what we're hearing from our companies uh, is that we have filled the need to have jobs 
and we're going to close out the nice-to-have jobs. And I think we're really going to see that in the fourth quarter, and it's going to look like uh, the job market has much more slack in it um, than the Fed uh, has assumed. Um, if that is the case, then the Fed may recognize that and not have to take rates um, as far, because it's really that slack in the labor market that they're looking for. We need to slow the economy to take some pressure off of the labor market and raise the unemployment rate. That's that's the ugly truth of it. I've seen a number of comparisons to the, the Volcker era. Are those comparisons valid? I think in terms of the message of doing whatever it takes, in terms of the urgency uh, and uh, the intolerance for sustained higher levels of inflation, that is absolutely Volcker-like area. Um, having to take rates uh, high enough to get the economy into deep, deep recession, I don't believe that's the case. We also don't have a wage price spiral. We're actually seeing things in the labor market work like they should. Retail, we've seen a surge in uh, uh, restaurants. We've seen a surge in applications. Wage pressures are, are coming off in that sector as we get more people back to work. Things are working like they should. They're just not working quickly. Ellen, always a pleasure. Ellen Santner, Morgan Stanley's chief U.S. economist with us this morning. After yesterday's rally, it is a uh, risk off for the moment. Uh, Dow futures right now 543 points lower. The S&P E-mini futures down to 85. NASDAQ futures 315 points lower. Ten-year yield right now 343. That is a 14 basis points this morning. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg weather from meteorologist Rob Carroll in Partland, mostly cloudy. Chance of a shower and thunderstorm to high today, 75 to 80. Mostly cloudy tonight, lows dipping to around 70 degrees. This is Bloomberg. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. Well, so much for the post-Fed rally. Futures are diving this morning. We go live to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning, Nathan. That's right. U.S. futures are plunging right now. Dow futures down 600 points. S&P's dropped 91. And NASDAQ futures are lower by 324. The U.S. 10-year yield at 3.43%. Gold is down 11. Oil is in the red. And Bitcoin is down by another 2.7%. Hong Kong fell 2.2% overnight, while European markets are also in the red, led by 3% losses in Italy. And note the Swiss National Bank surprised markets with its first interest rate hike in 15 years. Back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.30, initial jobless claims, housing starts, and Philly Fed. Regarding earnings, look for Kroger and Jable to report in the pre-market. In other news, Tesla increased prices across its lineup, and Revlon filed for Chapter 11. Wrapping things up, AutoZone was raised to overweight at Morgan Stanley. Boeing was upgraded over at Citigroup. Live from the First of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Nathan? Okay, Bill, thanks. To get live breaking news over your Bloomberg. Type squawk on the terminal. S-Q-U-A, go is how you do it. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. The House Committee investigating the January 6, 2021 riot is holding its third public hearing today. The panel is expected to focus on threats against former Vice President Pence. Less than two weeks after restarting production, Abbott's troubled infant formula plant in Michigan is now being forced to shut back 
down again. Torrential storms caused power outages and flooded parts of their facility. In baseball, the Yankees won. The Mets lost along with the Nationals, Orioles, and Giants. The Red Sox beat the A's. In game one of the NHL final, the Avalanche beat the Lightning in overtime. The Celtics will try to stay alive tonight in game six of the NBA finals. The Warriors could win it all tonight in Boston. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. It is 649 on Wall Street. Let's turn now to news in science and technology. The Bloomberg NJIT STEM report is brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, offering New Jersey's first undergraduate degree in fintech. NJIT is future in the making, tech-driven, finance-focused. Learn more at njit.edu slash fintech. And now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Shanghai will conduct mass COVID testing throughout the entire city every weekend through the end of July. A temporary lockdown will also be imposed on any residential complex where a COVID case is detected. Workers at supermarkets, malls, restaurants, and other public-facing businesses in Shanghai will be tested now every day. The California Supreme Court has left intact a ruling that allows customers to sue Amazon for failing to warn buyers that some products it sells may contain hazardous substances such as mercury. The court denied a request by Amazon's lawyers to review a lower ruling that said Amazon violated the state's Proposition 65. That uh, law requires companies to warn consumers about products they make or sell that contain chemicals known to cause cancer, reproductive harm, or birth defects. And Tesla is raising prices across its lineup. The electric car maker and other global vehicle makers continue to grapple with surging costs for raw materials. Electrek is reporting that uh, Tesla lifted the price of the long-range Model 3 by $2,500 to just under fifty eight grand. The longer-range Model X dual-motor all-wheel drive was bumped up $6,000 to a sticker price of almost $121,000. And that is the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. John. Nathan, thanks a lot. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. We're at 6.51 on Wall Street. That means it's time to check what's going on in D.C. And some of the top stories in our nation's capital include... The Fed-triggered recession may cost President Biden a second term. Uh, President Biden opened it using Cold War-era laws to ramp up gasoline output. And former Vice President Pence aides to testify on false electors' plan as the January 6th hearings they continue. A key Republican senator says gun safety talks have hit bumps in the road. Let's take a deeper dive into these stories this morning. We're joined by Bloomberg government reporter Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, thanks a lot. And start with the first story. I guess I, I have to ask the question, who owns inflation? Oh, boy, that is a, a debate that is raging in Washington, and they may be spinning their wheels a little bit. A, lo- a lot of the conversation about inflation uh, on Capitol Hill, and when you hear from the president, has really gone into midterm mode. Uh, it weighs on Democrats much more than Republicans, obviously, because Democrats are in control. As for the actual causes, you know, it's difficult for the president to make the argument that there's only so much he can do uh, he has put the the weight on the Fed. He has mentioned that there are this is a global issue, uh, but a, a lot of that is just 
sort of it, it's difficult for the president to to sweep away that and say well other countries are experiencing it as well and it's an issue that is weighing very heavily on democrats heading toward the midterms is it safe to say it's issue number 1 for voters heading into november Yes, absolutely. Uh, inflation is clearly dominating the, the political conversation in the country right now. Uh, and, and, you know, the idea of a recession is tied to that. I thought it was very interesting that a, a majority of Americans, according to a YouGov economist poll, think that the U.S. is either already in a recession or will be in the next 12 months that's across a, a number of demographic groups uh, that that gets to independence. It's it's weighing on Democrats very heavily, and it's really an issue where inflation has helped turn into uh, recession concerns. Uh, five bucks a gallon to fill up a car early this morning. What's the president going to do about it if he can do anything? Uh, you know, he has mentioned, or, or rather the press secretary uh, of the White House, Karine Jean-Pierre, just mentioned recently that the Defense Production Act is on the table to try to increase the uh, the refining uh, capacity of, of oil to, to increase the supply of gasoline. They haven't put out a specific plan. A lot of the legislative back and forth has has not really gone anywhere for a short-term solution on gas prices. Uh, so that's a, an, another facet of the inflation conversation that has shifted away from anything that you'd call productive and, and more toward the campaign debate. Uh, but at least we now know that the Defense Production Act, even though there are not details, is something they're they're at least looking at. Uh, this is sort of a, an unfair question, but I think you can handle it. Do, do we have a, a cohesive energy policy here uh, in the United States? Not particularly, no. Uh, there are debates, you know, within this debate over inflation. Uh, a lot of Republicans will point to uh, shortcomings that they see in Democratic policy on pipelines, on uh, leasing for oil production. Those are much longer-term issues uh, rather than today's inflation debate. But even if you if you get into the legislative conversation about broader energy proposals, uh, it's not as if they're moving forward on a, a carbon tax or something like that that's co cohesive on climate change. And much of the conversation is, uh, you know, can you can the federal government spend more on this program or that? program to encourage research and development on cleaner energy, but it's not exactly a, a clearly authorized energy policy at the federal level. Uh, the next story, the well, the January 6 hearings continue on Capitol Hill. Give us the update. Yes, yeah, so they're going to be meet today at uh, 1 p.m. This one focuses on the amount of pressure and how uh, Donald Trump pressured Mike Pence to overturn the results of the 2020 election. So they're going to have testimony from Greg Jacob, uh, uh, who is the counsel to Pence, Michael Luddig, who is a more informal legal advisor to Pence. We also understand there's going to be video testimony shown from Mark Short, who is Pence's chief of staff. Uh, on one hand, there will be uh, an argument that that uh, the president at the time uh, inappropriately pressured Prince, Pence to, in many people's eyes, illegally overturn the 2020 election. That's the core uh, argument that this panel is making. But also there may be some information on the danger that might have uh, been presented to Pence and, and the idea that people were going to uh, potentially harm him and what the White House knew and what Pence himself knew about that at that time. So the Trump-Pence relationship is getting the spotlight today. All right, Jack, thanks very much. We appreciate it.
Uh, Bloomberg government reporter Jack Fitzpatrick. And, of course, you can read more about these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. And also, a reminder, you can follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington. That's Bloomberg 99.1 at 105.7 FM HD2. Well, after the rally that we saw yesterday, after the uh, the Fed decision, it's risk-off this morning. Dow futures right now, they are down 577 points. That's a decline of 1.9%. S&P E-mini futures down to 87 points. That's a decline of 2.3%. And the Nasdaq futures right now, 315 points lower, a decline of 2.7%. This as uh, recession fears return to the markets. As far as yields go, 10-year yield right now, 344 that is a rise this morning of 15 basis points as we see a sell-off in Treasuries continuing. Compare that to two-year yield. That is at 335. That is up 16 basis points this morning. And the VIX, Wall Street's fear gauge, that is slightly elevated this morning, 31.69. And just ahead, Bloomberg surveillance with Tom Keene, Lisa Bramowitz, and John Farrow. And for Nathan Hager, I'm John Tucker, and you've been listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, let's face it, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. There's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.